If you have ever thought about starting your own podcast, you should check out Riverside. Riverside is an online recording studio that lets you record podcasts and video in studio quality from anywhere. And if you click on the affiliated link in the episode description and you buy a subscription, you will also be supporting the podcast. And if you're going to start your own podcast or you just want to continue to listen to great podcasts, you need headphones or speakers. If you click on the Amazon affiliated link, you can get great deals on headphones and speakers. And if you make a purchase, it will also help support the podcast. Both links will be in the episode description if you are interested. This is just a reminder that this podcast has merch and a Patreon. And if you could contribute to one of those to help keep this podcast going, I would greatly appreciate it. You may have heard the saying, image is everything. That isn't a lie. What you are perceived as is what you are known for. It doesn't really matter if there's any truth in that perception or not. Most of us know this, so we try to put out the best versions of ourselves. But for a pirate, the best versions of themselves was not exactly what they were going for. It actually benefited them if they had a horrific reputation that preceded them. During their time, it helped them if their story terrified people because it made people more willing to give up their goods without a fight, making the pirates' job easier and the job of historians and history podcasters centuries later harder. Ahoy! My name is Courtney Jewell, and you are listening to the seventh episode of the third season of History Shelf, a podcast about history that proves that sometimes fact is even more interesting than fiction. Tis season three of History Shelf, and I have titled this season, Yo-Ho, Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me. In this season be all about pirates, the pirates and scallywags that sailed the seven seas and some rivers, looking for booty as they made their travels. Some of these pirates came from humble beginnings, while others surprisingly came from well-to-do families. But no matter where or who they came from, they all had one thing in common. They we be pirates. And for this week, I am talking about Blackbeard. Blackbeard actually wasn't Edward Teach's birth name, but it's possible that neither was Edward Teach. Sometimes Blackbeard's name was written as Edward Thatch, but... Even that might not be his name either. His name may have been Edward Drummond, but again, there's no concrete evidence to this. It was not unheard of for pirates to use a fake surname, so they did not ruin the family name with their pirate activities, but his real name is not 100% for certain. I have covered people before on this podcast that some details about their life was not for certain, but this is the first time that their name was a possible mystery. I'll just call him Blackbeard, since that is what he is mostly known as. 
Blackbeard was born in Bristol, England. Or maybe Jamaica. Or possibly North Carolina. Or Philadelphia. Or New York. Or perhaps Denmark. Or he could have been born in... Well, you get it. We have no idea where he was born. Blackbeard was a legend even in his own day. What happens with legends is their persona becomes bigger than the person. And when that happens, myths swirl around the person and it is hard to decipher fact from fiction. The legend of Blackbeard has been spread by many, including Blackbeard himself. So Blackbeard's story has become one really big game of telephone. An expert on the golden age of piracy, Bayless Brooks, believes he may have found Blackbeard's family, but it's not for certain. If he is right, then Blackbeard's name was Edward Teach, and Blackbeard's father was also named Edward Teach, and his stepmother was named Lucretia. Blackbeard was born in Bristol, England, and his family moved to Jamaica. He had a half-brother named Thomas and a half-brother named Cox, and he also had a half-sister named Rachel. Blackbeard left his father's estate to his stepmother when his father died, and then Blackbeard joined the Royal Navy. On April 12, 1706, he joined a Barbados merchant ship, but the reasons for him joining the ship and the Royal Navy are unclear. But again, it is not for sure that this Edward Teach is in fact Blackbeard. Blackbeard may have been a privateer during the War of Spanish Succession. The War of Spanish Succession started on July 9, 1701 and it ended on September 7, 1714. After the War of Spanish Succession ended, Blackbeard would have ran into a problem that plagued all privateers after the war. Unemployment. This caused many of them to turn pirate. We know that for whatever reason, he did end up in Nassau and he did turn pirate. Though he didn't stay in Nassau as long as fellow pirate and subject of last week's episode Benjamin Hornigold did. It has been said many times that Blackbeard joined the crew of Benjamin Hornigold. Benjamin became Blackbeard's mentor and Blackbeard became Benjamin's second-in-command, but like I said on last week's episode, there's no real evidence of this. But Blackbeard and Benjamin did work together when they raided the city of Yakmel. During the raid in the middle of the night, they attacked shops. They didn't take much goods, but they did abuse and take the management clerk aboard the ship. And they also kidnapped a priest after they plundered the church. And together, Blackbeard and Benjamin also attacked the French vessel, the Concorde. On November 28, 1717, near St. Vincent, Blackbeard then took over the Concorde and renamed it the Queen Anne's Revenge. Blackbeard may have named his ship this because he was upset over the end of the House of Stuart. Queen Anne was the last Stuart monarch. This ship was a three-mast ship that Blackbeard later fitted with 40 cannons. This ship was also a slave ship. 
Blackbeard gave most of the slaves back to the captain, but about 60 of the slaves joined Blackbeard's crew. Blackbeard used the ship to raid the waters of St. Vincent and St. Kitts. He was fond of the Caribbean and the coast of North America. One time he captured 15 ships in just three weeks on the shores of the American colonies. On December 5, 1717, Blackbeard stopped the merchant ship, the Margaret. Her captain, Henry Bostock, and the crew were held prisoner by Blackbeard for about eight hours. They were forced to watch as Blackbeard's men raided the ship. Blackbeard sailed to North Carolina because the governor of North Carolina, Charles Eden, was handing out pardons to pirates. Blackbeard promised to give up piracy. He didn't. By early 1718, Blackbeard had a crew of anywhere from 300 to 400 men. In March of 1718, Blackbeard met another famous pirate. I have not covered this pirate on this podcast, well, at least not yet, but you may have already heard about this pirate. I know you have definitely heard of him if you have watched the hilarious show Our Flag Means Death. The pirate that I am talking about is Steed Bonnet. Blackbeard and Steed met in Honduras. Steed sailed with Blackbeard on Queen Anne's Revenge. Blackbeard saw how inexperienced Steed was as a pirate. I'm not going to get into too much about Steed because I will be covering him later on in this season. Blackbeard crossed the pass with Steed a second time, and that time, Blackbeard sent his first mate over to Steed's ship, the Revenge, to captain the ship. And Blackbeard kept Steed on Queen Anne's Revenge. Blackbeard was basically keeping Steed as a prisoner. When Steed went ashore, Blackbeard took most of his loot and crew. Steed was left with just a crew of five. There is no evidence that Blackbeard and Steed had any kind of romantic relationship like they do on the show Our Flag Means Death, but it's not like the goal of that show is accuracy. So, same-sex relationships among pirates were not unheard of. Blackbeard is believed to have been well-educated. Sure, he liked to steal gold, gems, and other valuables that would bring him great riches, but he also liked to steal books. Along with being a reader, he was also a foodie. When he took the ship that he would rename Queen Anne's Revenge, he kept the ship's French cook. In 1996, a shipwreck was discovered, and it is believed to be the Queen Anne's Revenge. And on the ship, they found wild boar, deer, and turkey. So, that is a sign that his crew hunted fresh meat. I'm sure you have heard stories about the monstrous deeds that Blackbeard committed. Maybe you heard about how he shot his own first mate in the knee, and he did it just because he said, quote, if he didn't shoot one or two crewmen now and then, they forget who he was, end quote. Or... Perhaps you heard about that after he had had a few too many drinks, he said to his crew, quote, 
Come, let us make a hell of our own and try how long we can bear it. End quote. Then they went into the ship's hold, they closed the hatches, filled several pots with brimstone, and set it on fire. The men coughed and gasped. All but Blackbeard ran out searching for fresh air. When he finally emerged, he said, quote, Damn ye, ye yellow. I am a better man than all ye milksops put together. End quote. And stop me if you've heard about the time that Blackbeard wanted a man's ring that was on the man's finger. The man refused to give up the ring, and so Blackbeard cut off the man's finger. Ring and all. And did you know that Blackbeard had as many as 14 wives? His last wife, Mary Orman, was just 16 years old when Blackbeard married her. When he would come ashore, five or six of his brutal companions would come with him. Blackbeard would force his young wife to prostitute herself to his companions, one right after the other, as Blackbeard watched. The thing with all of those stories that I just told you is they might not be true. Those stories come from the General History of Pirates by Captain Charles Johnson, and no one is for certain how accurate the text is. No one even knows for sure who wrote it. Captain Charles Johnson is just a pen name. In the first edition of the book, it lists Blackbeard as a pupil of Steed Bonnet, which is absolutely ridiculous. But even if those stories aren't true, it is true that he had an evil reputation, even during his own time. There is no evidence that Blackbeard killed anyone before his battle at Orca Coke. More on that in a little later. It is likely that he cultivated his own horrible image and reputation, all the way down to his appearance and even his flag. Blackbeard's appearance was recorded in the general history of pirates. So, again, remember what I said about that. Quote, This beard was black, which he suffered to grow of an extravagant length. As to the breath, it came to his eyes. He was accustomed to twist it with ribbons and small tails and turn them about his ears. In time of action, he wore a sling over his shoulders with three brace of pistols hanging in the holsters like bandoliers, and stuck lighted matches under his hat, which appearing on each side of his face, his eyes naturally looking fierce and wild, made him altogether such a figure that imagination cannot form an idea of a fury from hell to look more frightful. End quote. Many pirates during this time had a flag with a skull and crossbone on it, but none were more terrifying than Blackbeard's flag. Legend has it that his flag had a skeleton on it. The skeleton had horns and cloven feet. In one of the skeleton's hands, it held an hourglass. That was to show you that your time was running out. In another hand, the skeleton held a spear and the spear was aimed right at a heart, 
and there were drops of blood around the heart. There was a reason why Blackbeard worked so hard to create an image that would strike fear in the hearts of anyone that was unlucky enough to cross paths with him. By being known as a monstrous creature, Blackbeard could take ships and valuables without some fighting him. They just surrendered so they wouldn't become another victim on Blackbeard's long list of victims. Blackbeard wreaked havoc on the West Indies. He also wreaked havoc on the French colony Guadeloupe. He then brought his terror to the Gulf of Mexico. There he attacked Spanish shipping. There he also picked up a new nickname, El Gran Diablo. Translated to English, that means the Great Devil. Blackbeard's men were getting restless, though. They hadn't had a big haul for months. So Blackbeard sailed to Florida. There, the Spanish treasure fleet had been wrecked three years prior. His men searched and searched for gold and silver, but the wreckage had already been picked over. Then he sailed north to Charleston, South Carolina. In May of 1718, Blackbeard successfully blockaded Charleston for two weeks. He attacked at least eight ships. The prisoners Blackbeard had were released unharmed after a ransom that included medicine was paid. The medicine was to treat syphilis, so Blackbeard or perhaps one of his crew members had syphilis. Queen Anne's revenge and another one of his ships hit a sandbank. This may have been intentional. Blackbeard may have wanted to reduce the number of crew members he had to share his loot with. The Queen Anne's revenge eventually sank. Blackbeard then returned the revenge to Steed Bonnet. Blackbeard sailed on to Bathtown, North Carolina. Governor Charles Eden gave Blackbeard another pardon. Blackbeard was able to sell his captured cargo and keep his ship. This was when he married 16-year-old Mary Orman, and he made a home on Ocracoke Island. There was an arrest warrant that was issued for his past crimes while he was visiting Philadelphia. Then the sea called out to Blackbeard once again, and he captured two French ships off of Bermuda. Blackbeard returned to Bathtown with sugar and cocoa, but Blackbeard wasn't charged with piracy when he returned. He bribed Governor Charles Eden with barrels of sugar, so a court ruled that he had taken the cargo from a broken-down ship. During this time in American history, a lot of officials looked the other way when it came to piracy. They looked the other way because either they themselves were involved in piracy, or at the very least many of them liked buying goods from pirates because it was cheaper than buying them from legitimate traders. But that doesn't mean that every single official was cool with piracy. There was actually one governor that did not like Blackbeard, and he wanted him, dead or alive. That governor was Alexander Spotswood. Alexander was the governor of Virginia. In November of 1718, members of the British Royal Navy set sail on two sloops to put an end to Blackbeard's terror on the seas. 
They would receive 100 pounds if they captured Blackbeard, dead or alive. Blackbeard only had a crew of about 20 to 25 men at his base. Alexander had no power to try pirates, but that didn't stop him from going after William Howard, the former quartermaster of the Queen Anne's Revenge. Alexander had him and two of his slaves arrested. Alexander was hoping that William would tell him where Blackbeard was. William's attorney, John Holloway, brought charges against Captain Bran of HMS Lyme, where William was imprisoned. He also claimed that William was wrongfully arrested and sued on behalf of William for 500 pounds. Alexander said that he could try pirates in a time of crisis, and Blackbeard's existence was a time of crisis. The charges that were against William were outside of Alexander's jurisdiction and in a vessel that was legally owned. Another charge William faced was an attack on a slave ship. William had to get a new lawyer because Captain Bran and his colleague Captain Gordon refused to serve with John Holloway present. So Attorney General of Virginia, John Clayton, stepped in. Alexander Spotswood liked him. He said that he was, quote, honester man than John Holloway, end quote. William was found guilty and sentenced to hang, but he was saved by a commission from London, which said that Alexander had to pardon all acts of piracy committed by surrendering pirates by August 18th, 1718. William did have information on where Blackbeard was and he gave it to Alexander. Alexander personally paid for the operation to get Blackbeard. Lieutenant Robert Maynard was given command of two sloops and he headed to Bathtown, North Carolina. He took command of two armed sloops on November 17, 1718. Captains Gordon and Bran took the HMS Pearl and the HMS Lime to Bathtown. On November 21st, 1718, Robert found pirates anchored on the inner side of Ocracoke Island. Robert stopped all traffic from entering the inlet, and then he waited until morning to make his attack. On November 22nd, 1718, the British ran aground on a sandbank. Blackbeard saw this, and he fired his cannons at them. The sloop Robert was not on, the Ranger, was hit badly enough that it was unsailable. About nine men on the Ranger were either wounded or killed, and twenty men on the Jane, Robert's ship, were either wounded or killed. The Jane began to drift towards Blackbeard's ship, the Adventure. Robert and most of his men hid below deck. Blackbeard and his men boarded the Jane, and that November day in 1718, soon heard the sounds of guns being fired and swords clashing with each other. Blackbeard and Robert came face to face in a duel. Blackbeard was shot and he had a sword pierce his neck, but that didn't stop him. He continued to fight. But Blackbeard would not win the fight. With five shots and twenty sword cuts, Blackbeard could not go on. The final blow came from a man decapitating him from behind. Then Blackbeard's body was tossed in the sea. There was a legend that is just that, a legend, 
that Blackbeard's headless body wandered around the vessel three times. Robert took Blackbeard's head and put it on the prow of his ship. It was a warning to all who thought about turning pirate. The rest of Blackbeard's men were caught, tried, and hanged. Well, all but Israel Hands. He was acquitted in exchange for him testifying against corrupt North Carolina officials. Some have sworn that Blackbeard's ghost is still with us. They say they have seen a glowing light in the waters of Ocracoke Island. They say he is swimming around in search of his head. Others say he roams the beach searching for it. And if you listen carefully, on the coast, you can hear Blackbeard scream out, Where is my head? There are many movies about Blackbeard or movies that have him as a character in it. When I get to this part of the episode where I'm talking about all of the places in popular culture where the subject of each episode pops up in, please note that I am not necessarily listing all of the things. I am just listing all the things that I found, but there's always a possibility that there's more out there. So these are the Blackbeard movies that I found. Blackbeard the Pirate, Blackbeard's Ghost, Blackbeard Terror at Sea, and he is a character in Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. There was a mini-series called Blackbeard, and he is a character in the series Crossbones, Black Sails, Once Upon a Time, and Our Flag Means Death. Also, in the manga series One Piece, which is also now a Netflix live-action series, the character Marshall D. Teach is based off of Blackbeard. You would have thought, with the legend that he has become today, that he had been a pirate for decades, and he was so horrible and acquired so much wealth, but he had only been a pirate for about 15 months. He never had a big amount of treasure. There were richer pirates in his day. He did manage to take 23 ships, but there were pirates that took way more ships than that. And I've already talked about how he actually wasn't as mean as his reputation let on. But still, he is probably the most famous pirate today. He has been more successful in death than he was in life. And that was the life of Blackbeard. Thank you so much for listening to the seventh episode of the third season of History Shelf. There are 15 episodes planned for this season. Next week's episode is going to be about Bartholomew Roberts. I hope you come back for that. A few things before we go. If you want to follow this podcast on social media, the TikTok is at History Shelf. The Twitter is at History Shelf Pod. The Instagram is at History underscore Shelf underscore Pod. And the Facebook page is History Shelf Podcast. If you want to help out this podcast financially, there are a few ways you can do that. One is you can buy merch from the History Shelf merch store. Or you can become a Patreon. This podcast is always going to be free, but there are some perks that come along with becoming a Patreon. The first tier is called History Student, and that is $1 a month. And with that, I will send out a... 
Thank you to you on all social media platforms that History Chef is on. I will also choose one Patreon at random for each episode that I do. And at the end of the episode, I will give that Patreon a shout out. The second tier is called History Fan, and that is $3 a month. And with that, you get the first tier, plus you get to vote in a poll that helps me choose the theme for the next season of this podcast. The third tier is called History Buff, and that is $20 a month. And with that, you get the first two tiers, plus you get a handwritten note of thanks mailed to you from me. And the last tier is called History Lover, and that is $40 a month. And with that, you get the first three tiers, plus you get to choose one item from the History Shelf merch store. You can choose any item but the zip-up hoodie. You can also take out ad space on this podcast. I have a gig on Fiverr that lets you do that. You can also click on one of the affiliated links. I have one for Riverside and one for Amazon. If you click on one of those links and you buy something, that also helps support the podcast. But if you don't want any of the merch and you don't want any of the perks and you don't want to buy anything but you still want to help support the podcast, I have turned on listener support on Spotify for Podcasters. The links to everything that I just mentioned will be in the episode description for this episode. But as always, the best way that you can support this podcast is to just to continue to listen to it. And there are a few other ways that you can help out this podcast for free. One is if you are listening on a platform that lets you rate this podcast five stars and or leave a positive review. If you do that, that would be very helpful. Also, sharing this podcast on social media with your friends and family would be very helpful. All right. Well, until next time, keep learning, keep loving history, and come back for next week's episode. Bye.